Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. So I have the privilege again this morning, today, of bringing a word of encouragement to you from the book of Isaiah, the scripture that you just heard read, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. It's our fourth Sunday in Lent, and I want to speak to you briefly about waiting on God. I saw a picture in the Chicago Tribune a few days ago. It's a picture of a mass of our fellow human beings who had just flown from England and from Europe two Friday nights ago back to America because of the president's imposed travel ban. Their flights took about maybe eight, nine hours, and when they landed at at O'Hare Airport, you saw this long, long line, long lines of people, passengers who reported they were standing for six to seven hours in these dense serpentine lines waiting to be tested. Not only were these lines unsafe by CDC standards, but you can imagine how painful it must have been for these weary travelers to wait that long. I think we can all agree about this, that waiting is one of the hardest things that we can do in life, especially during a time of uncertainty and crisis. And right now, our world, our nation, our communities are in a time of unparalleled crisis. Somebody described it this way, that life is on pause. And so our governor yesterday issued a a stay-at-home order for the entire state of Illinois that starts at 5 p.m. on Saturday. It will last from Saturday through at least April 7th, and then I'm sure they're going to They're going to take a look at what's to do next. The governor wants all of Illinois to take its most aggressive step to try to slow the coronavirus' spread. And we here at First Prayers, we're going to join our governor in trying to ensure that that happens. I also read in the newspaper that as of Friday afternoon, Illinois reached 585 confirmed cases across 25 counties, including 163 new cases, and the death toll has risen to five. So we're going to take this very seriously, and that's the reason why we here at First Prayers, we've just kind of shut everything down. And we have no choice now because the governor has issued that decree. We're going to hunker down, we're going to stay home, we're going to stay away from crowded spaces, we're going to practice social distancing. And I know many people are wondering, how long? How long? When will all, when will all this end? And I wish I had a, a looking glass or a, a ball that I could look into and predict the future with you, but I don't. No one really knows. In fact, I think most of us have heard that great American prayer. Lord, give me patience, and I want it now. Especially if you have kids at home, maybe you're praying this prayer right now. Lord, give me patience, and I want it right now. Because you see, no one likes to wait. The word wait has got to be, I heard someone say, the Christian's four-letter word. 
I know for many of us, we would rather do anything rather than wait. In fact, I think some people would rather do the wrong thing than wait for the right thing. A.W. Tozer once said that inactivity, paradoxically, is the highest possible activity. Sometimes when we don't know what to do, the best thing we can do is just to wait. If you were viewing us, our service last Sunday, we looked at Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, how he gave his disciples a choice. Are you going to live by fear or are you going to live by faith? And today I want to give you a second uh, biblical choice. And you heard it in the reading. As we face this, this global crisis, will we wait on God? Will we trust in God? Or are we going to panic and run ahead of God? And I get it. I get it because the reality is the coronavirus is highly infectious. It is deadly. And the, the, and the world around us and everything that we once knew to be normal has now been rapidly changed. And we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. The virus is changing the world. And it's exposing the insecurity of our global economy. And it's exposing the fragility of our human family. And so what are we going to do? I'd like to suggest that as the people of God, let's turn our eyes on Scripture and let's mine the hope that is in Scripture. One of the things I did as I was preparing for this talk, I looked back at that centerpiece in the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 55, and I came to the conclusion that that section of Scripture could be summarized in one word, and it's the word comfort. That God is now comforting his people. They had been in exile for over 70 years in Babylon. They've suffered much. They've lost everything. Life as they knew it before the Babylonian captivity seems forever gone. And you've heard the saying, you can't turn back the clock. And we're in a similar situation. But I want you to know that God never forgot them. God never left their side. And that's the one thing I want you to know that never changes. God is our strength. God is our refuge. God does not change. And so God says to his people these beautiful words in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And so the option, the choice I want to offer to you today is the same that Isaiah offered, that we can wait patiently for God, we can rest in God, God's comfort. Instead of panicking, instead of running ahead of God, we can find the comfort from waiting on God. Let me give you three very solid reasons from this chapter, Isaiah chapter 40, as to why waiting on God is, is the best choice that we have, especially in these days. One of the first reasons I want to bring to you says, in waiting, we learn about ourselves. This is maybe the most uncomfortable thing I'm going to say to you right now that in waiting we learn about ourselves. God's people were in a set of circumstances that they couldn't control. We are in a set of circumstances that we cannot immediately control or change. And so what are we going to do? 
What happens to us? What happens inside of us when we wait? Let me suggest a few things based on what we're reading in the scriptures that waiting exposes how impatient we are. You see, their pandemic lasted 70 years. How long will ours last? Well, I hope it's not 70 years, but really nobody knows how long this pandemic will last. Because of the uncertainty of what lies ahead, I know that many of you are already tired. You're tired of watching Netflix. You're tired of the constant COVID-19 news cycle. You're tired of preparing lesson lesson plans for your children. You're tired of being at home when you'd rather be back in college and in your college dorm. You're tired of working from home and you wish you could go back out to your office and have conversations with other adults. Waiting exposes our impatience. But I also think waiting exposes the supports on which our lives have been built the props, the plausibility structures on which we have depended, at least in the book of Isaiah, they were the idols. They were trusting in their military. They were trusting in their money. They were trusting in their politics. They were trusting in their temple. They were trusting in the gods of their own making. And all of these structures were now falling apart. The idols that they created that gave them a sense of control The idols were now dead and unresponsive. What happens to us, a day comes when the things that we have leaned on, the things that we have built as the, the supports in our lives, a crisis comes and those supports can no longer carry us through the crises. And this is where we are. The only thing we learn about ourselves in Isaiah is that waiting exposes our frailty. The prophet Isaiah says, all people are like grass that withers. The grass withers and the flower fades. And in times like these, we're reminded of our frailty. But there's another thing that waiting can teach us, not just about our own frailty. Waiting also gives us an opportunity to learn about God. The great English Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, talks about this. He said, would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in God's immensity, and you shall come forth as of from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. And then he goes on to say, I know nothing which can so comfort the soul So calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief. So speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing on the subject of who God is. What do we discover when we study the nature of God? At least from the book of Isaiah chapter 40, we discover at least three things here. God is creator. This is what the scripture says. Lift up your eyes and see who created these stars is it, God who br- is it, it is God who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them by name. Isaiah wants us to know that God is creator, that God is in control. Listen to these words. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
And while the governments of our world are rocking and reeling and trying to find best cases and best processes to curb and solve this spreading coronavirus, I want you to remember that God is in control. God has, hasn't left the building. But the last thing Isaiah wants us to know about God is that God has a plan. It's good to remember that history is not aimless. History is guided by God from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to new creation and new earth. Almighty God has a plan. Here's how Isaiah describes God's plan. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Why? The Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. In other words, we like to say, God's got you. God's got, got you. So we trust in the Lord. We wait on the Lord. But the last thing that God wants to teach us about waiting is that we wait on the Lord, we learn what God wants us to do. I know it sounds counterintuitive that maybe the more feverishly we go about our days, the more we fret, the more we search the internet, we can figure out what to do. But God is saying to us today that in waiting, we learn what God wants us to do. You see, we have a choice, right? We can run feverishly under the, 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 the pressure of our circumstances. We can run to the supermarket and buy up all of the hand sanitizers and all of the paper that we want to buy up. Or we can trust God and wait on God to guide us through our circumstances. Again, let me just remind you of, 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 of Tozer's quote. He says, waiting is an inactivity that paradoxically is the highest possible activity. Sometimes when we don't know what to do, the best thing we can do is to wait on God. You see, storms don't last forever. Every crisis, listen to me now, friends, every crisis, it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And I don't know, I don't know when this storm will end. God knows. And God is saying to you, God is saying to all of us, God is saying to the world, Will you wait on me? Because waiting on God, it is a declaration of trust. The prophet Nahum says, the Lord is good. The Lord is a refuge in times of trouble, that God cares for those who trust in him. And as we wait on God, and this is the beautiful thing about Isaiah's words to us today, as we wait on God, God will give us strength for the journey. Listen to what Isaiah says in the closing verses, that God gives power to the faint. Are you feeling faint? God gives strength to the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what happens to us when we wait on God, when we wait on God in prayer, when we wait on God before Scripture, when we wait on God to speak to us through the wisdom of our friends and our loved ones, 
we wait on God and we receive the strength that we need to go on. Let me close with a few verses that you know very well. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. Be of good cheer. God will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Growing up as a child in Jamaica, we learned a little song in our church that I'm not going to sing for you, but I just want to share the words with you because they're so apropos for the season that we're in. Wait, wait, wait upon the Lord. I will wait, wait, wait upon the Lord. I've learned my lesson well. In his timing, he will tell me what to do, where to go, and what to say. For the Christian, waiting is actually the, the impulse. It is the opportunity to figure out where do we go next as we wait on God. Wait on God, first press. Wait on God. Be of good cheer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.